Good evening, Lake Church. How's everybody doing tonight? Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house. I'm excited for what God has in store for us. Amen. We're just going to go ahead and get started. Let's give a, a, a nice welcome to our online audience. Glad to have you tonight. Um, got a few announcements, some things coming up. Who's ready for Fight Club? Praise God. Fight Club starts 15th and the 16th, which is Thursday, this Thursday and Friday. And there'll be uh, uh, axe throwing and cornhole and, and just all kinds of different things, the Word. And it's going to be just a good time in the Lord. Amen. So if you haven't signed up, I don't, I don't know if, there, if there's still time to sign up. Sign up. Go enjoy it. It'll be out at Lake Camp. It's going to be a great time. Amen. It's going to be a powerful time. Praise the Lord. So be looking forward to that. Also, we've got a missions play going on, um, and that's coming up. You can buy tickets out in the foyer. They're going to be selling them for $35. There'll be a dinner. There's going to be a dinner with it, and uh, you can buy them until they're sold out. So praise God. And now it's time to talk about giving. That's my most favorite time. Amen. I'm excited for what God is doing, but I know that, you know, the Bible says that you'll never see the righteous forsaken or seen out begging for bread. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. We've got some, uh, you can give with the envelopes and the seat backs in front of you. You can do the text to give, which is usually up on the uh, screen there. Also, you can go online at lake-church.com, and you can give that way. And we've also got the new Church Center app. You can get on the Church Center app. Um, get that synced to your bank account, and you can give that way, and that's probably the easiest way to give. So we've got plenty of ways to give. Tonight, there'll be a bucket in the back. Um, if you want to give on the way out, you can do that. And other than that, we're going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to let this preacher go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you excited? When you see the board up here, you know it's, it's time for business, right? All right, praise God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your anointing on Pastor Kevin tonight. We pray that you move miraculously, mightily, and divinely. We pray that you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver. Multiply and meet the needs tonight in Jesus' name. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. All right. He had too much coffee tonight. He's in a hurry. Usually it's me that has too much. So anyway, I have a special announcement I want to share with you. Um, everybody knows, you know, I love the Philippines. Well, Pastor and I have been talking how we can be effective in the Philippines. And so we had this opportunity come up that God gave him basically how to do it to where we can minister in the Philippines and keep our costs very minimal. Because you have to understand, just one airline ticket is about $2,500. And so, you you know, you go, you go. It takes you two days to get there, one day to get back because international dateline. So, we talked to our connections, connections, our people. <laughs> sorry. Woo! Old-time memories there. Um <laughs> So uh, we talked to our people there in the Philippines, Pastor Ray, and all right, moving right along, uh, <clears throat> talked to Pastor Ray, Pastor uh, uh, Moan, and Pastor Ariel, and Roselle, who are the main people that I worked with while I was in the Philippines, and I still work with them pretty much. And so we are going to have 
three area seminars all via uh, Zoom. And so what we're doing is we're covering the cost of the, the facility that they'll rent, the food that they'll have, and uh, for the video, internet, and all that good stuff, and probably some transportation. So this is an opportunity. It's going to cost $1,500 for about 200 pastors and leaders to come to these. And so we want to give you opportunity to sow into this because this is one of many things that we're going to do. We're hoping from this that we'll be able to start doing uh, more Zoom meetings, not like this where it costs, but on a, like a more private, uh, you know, a group of pastors here and a group of pastors there. And this is kind of our kickoff for what we're trying to do. And eventually we'll get a uh, trained Bible school over there, and we're working toward that. So we're trying to get them exposed to the teaching and, and things that we have here at Lake Church. So the conference is going to be about leadership. So uh, you can sow a seed. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's $2, $1, or $100, whatever you feel you are sowing into good ground, I will tell you that. And uh, you can do this. The actual conference will be Pastor Kevin, myself, Pastor Greg, and Pastor Ramon Phillips. We are the ones that are going to be speaking. And that will be on October 21st, our nighttime. We're going to have to stay up till like midnight because their conference is actually on the 22nd, which is a Saturday from 9 to 2 o'clock. So we're going to have to stay up late that night. But uh, you have a while to sow. But I want to encourage you, if you can sow into this, you can use the envelope, put cash in there, just put Philippines on there. If you want to do it online or on the, the app, just put a memo on there. Seminar, Philippines, or Philippines. And all that money will go to this conference. So I want to thank you, and Pastor Kevin, come on up. I like how he waited to say we were going to do this at midnight after I already agreed. <laughs> I go to bed at 8.30, so. <laughs> oh, amen. <laughs> All right. Well, God is good. <laughs> Amen. Let's just stand and uh, just enter in. Just begin to glorify the Lord before we get into the teaching. Oh, Father God, we just give you praise. We just worship you tonight. We thank you, Father God, for your word that is truth, that it brings us into truth. It sanctifies our life, Father God, and helps us to be set apart. Unto you, Father, we recognize your presence here tonight. Uh, as your corporate body has assembled together, we recognize that you're here in the midst of us. We just depend on the Holy Spirit right now. Give us unction to say what you would have us to say. We just glorify you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for redemption, for the power of the blood of Christ to justify and make us righteous 
Thank you that you caused us to be born of God, that you made us new creations, Father God, filled us with your Holy Spirit, brought us into your eternal purposes, and we just give you glory for it. We thank you, Father God. You are so worthy of all praise. You're worthy of every breath that we breathe out to be a praise, a hallelujah, a glory to you. We give you praise, Father God. We just thank you for your word. We just thank you for your word tonight, Father God. Open our eyes. Give us revelation. Help us to see things we need to see so that we can be transformed more into the image of Jesus and we can accomplish the mandate that you gave to the church to cause your glory to be manifest all to the ends of the earth, Father God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. So pastor's been teaching on the blessed hope. Who's been enjoying that? Amen. It's been really good. So he has a uh, meeting with the elders tonight, so he asked me to step in and teach uh, for him tonight. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. And hey, if you can't see the board from back there, you can come up. We have plenty of uh, seats up here. Uh, I know my writing gets kind of little sometimes, but I try to make it as uh, legible from back there as possible. But we're going to look at uh, what is known as the hub of prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. Um, I think this will help us to see uh, God's prophetic timeline. And what I uh, desire, uh, what I feel inspired about this is that it would cause us to be able to be more actively participating in what God is doing in the earth in this time. You know, the blessed hope, what pastor's been talking about, he's been talking about that if we don't have an understanding of the imminent return of Christ, it causes us not to be uh, as actively involved in reaching people. You know, when you realize that Jesus could come at any time, then it causes you to be a little bit more intentional about the way you live your life. And you begin to live a life of purpose. And if you're going to live a life of purpose, you're going to have to live a life on purpose. Because the purpose of God doesn't just fall into your life. You have to actively participate in what God is desiring to do, not only in you, but through your life. And so I'm, we're going to look at this. I believe it will bring more clarity to the purpose of the rapture. Uh, and so let's look at that in Daniel chapter 9. We're going to look at, uh, first of all, verse 1. But before I uh, read the scripture, let me just give you a little bit of background. Right here in this chapter... If you remember, the Israelites had gone into uh, bondage to Babylon because of their disobedience and because of many years of worshiping idols. They even built idols, uh, altars to other gods in the nation of Israel. And this continued on for a period of about 490 years till finally God judged them he allowed Babylon to come in and not only destroy Israel, but to even take them captive and carry them off into Babylon for a period of time. So what was happening, what we're going to read here is that 
Daniel, the prophet, was reading the book of Jeremiah, and he saw uh, the prophecy about them going into bondage, and he saw the amount of years that they were going to be there, which was 70 years. And so he realized they had been there almost that period of time. So he started praying and, and repenting over the sins of the nation and uh, asking God to give him understanding of what the nation was supposed to do when they were released from their bondage. And so this uh, first verse says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he's basically just, you know, saying what I just told you, that he found in the book how long they were going to be in bondage. And so um, he began to uh, pray to the Lord, and he's visited by Gabriel, and Gabriel gives him a prophecy. And this prophecy, you know, not only did God tell him what was going to happen in their immediate future, but he gave him a prophecy that extended from that time all the way to the millennial reign of Jesus. I mean, his prayer was answered uh, exceedingly and abundantly more than he even asked for. And isn't that the way that God does things? He wants us to know what we need to know more than we even desire to know it. We just have to get ourselves in the right position and the right attitude to be able to receive what God has for us. So I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 11. Jeremiah 25, 11. well, that's the scripture that just confirms the 70 years. I'm not going to go to that. Let's go to 2 Chronicles uh, 36. I want to read this scripture because this tells you a little bit more about why they were there for 70 years. It says, and those who escaped from the sword, so this is when the Babylonians came in. Those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So here's what we need to understand. From the time of David to the time of the Babylonian captivity was 490 years. Now stay with me. I'm going to kind of just ease into this. It's been a little while since I've been up here, so I'm taking my time. And there's some stuff I want you to see. God had commanded the Israelites every seven years to let the land rest for a whole year. This was a Sabbath rest of the land. So in David's time, this was the apex of spiritual life in Israel. They were under David. They were very spiritual. They were not serving other gods. But after David came Solomon. And even Solomon, you know, was a part of the worship of Molech. And so even though Solomon, it was the most prosperous time under Solomon, the uh, spiritual climate in Israel began to go down. And isn't, that's, that should be a warning sign to us because prosperity has the ability 
to lead our hearts away from the things of God and cause us to begin a descent away from the purpose and plans of God. Now, God wants to prosper us, but according to the degree that our soul prospers, so that we have prosperity and are able to use it for the purposes of God, but it doesn't have our hearts and lead us away from the things of God. So over 490 years, there were 70 Sabbath years that were supposed to have been observed, and they weren't. What happened was because of their prosperity, they thought, well, hey, if we went ahead and worked the land this extra year, we can be even more prosperous. And I'm sure they convinced themselves there in their heart they were going to use that to glorify God. Isn't that what? <laughs> well, I'm going to use this. Well, in fact, if you want to go listen, last week, Pastor gave a prophecy kind of about that. Um, and so they owed God 70 Sabbath years. And because they didn't repent of their worship of other gods and everything, he required it of them. And because they wouldn't let the land rest, he said, well, I'm going to take you out of the land then. And he removed them from the land, took them to Babylon, and the land was able to have its rest. God got it back. So there were 490 years from David to Babylon whenever God required these 70 Sabbaths back. And the interesting thing is in the prophecy that we're going to look at, from Babylon to the millennial reign of Jesus is 490 years. You say, well, how can that be? It's been longer than 490 years. Well, that's because there was an age that was a mystery. The church age, the age of grace that we're living in right now, was a mystery. If you remember Pastor's graphic that he showed last week, the prophet who was looking at the mountaintops of prophecy, they saw all the prophetic markers that had to do with Israel, but they didn't see the valley of the church age which is almost 2,000 years that was unaccounted for, okay? So I just wanted to kind of set that up for you, what we're going to look at here. So let's drop down to Daniel chapter 9, verse 23. <clears throat> okay. So this is Daniel praying, and then Gabriel appears to him, and this is what he says to him. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I've come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and your holy city. We need to understand that when he talks about your people and your holy city, that this prophetic uh, vision that he's given to him has to do with Jewish time. This, is ha this has to do with Israel. This has nothing to do with us. This has nothing to do with us. And that's going to mean a lot here in a few minutes when we get to this. But he says they are determined for your people and for your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, where it says the most holy, it's talking about the most holy place in the tabernacle or in the temple. 
So basically what he's talking about here is that because of the rebellion of Israel, that God is going to take them through a, prophet, in, through a process in order to make up for their sin and their worship of these other gods. And he's going to bring them all the way to this place where they are able to enter into a millennial reign with their Messiah. And sin and rebellion and iniquity and transgression will all be dealt with once and for all. Finally, there won't be any more trouble with it. And he's going to bring in an everlasting righteousness that's going to go forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So this was good news to them. And to anoint the most holy place is talking about the fact that Jesus will come and he will rule and reign from the throne in Jerusalem over the entire earth and set up his messianic kingdom that will last for a thousand years. And then from there usher us into the age of eternity, which we see in Revelation chapter 21 when the heavenly Jerusalem comes. Oh, my goodness. Listen, guys. God has not been taken surprised by anything that's going on in the world today. We need to quit being so moved and, in fact, so focused on what's going on in the world today. It's all distraction. We don't need to be worrying about all this stuff other than to pray about it and to invoke angels from the unseen realm to come in and do what they can do. But you know what? It's a distraction to keep us from fulfilling the mandate, which is to take the gospel into all the world so individuals can come to a place of belief, be born again, made the righteousness of God, justified and ushered into the family and into the kingdom of God, where an army of believers are going out and affecting the culture and affecting our nation and affecting our world with the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be focused on. But we're getting so caught up in all of this stuff that's going on politically. And listen, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, you know, and we talk about that kind of stuff, but we can't allow that to become the main thing, you know, and getting caught up and watching all the news stuff. You know what the news is for? To just reaffirm your bias, that's all it's for. It's not, inf- it's not to, so you can be informed. It's just to reaffirm whatever particular bias that you have. If you're a, liberally, a liberal biased person, then watch CNN and they will just affirm everything that you believe. If you're an extreme conservative, watch Fox News and they'll just reaffirm everything that you believe. But listen, guys, they're selling stuff. That's their purpose. It's a business. <laughs> and they know what you believe, and they're just going to try and give you that so they can keep you watching, keep the ratings up, keep selling the products, and keep the money coming in. Well, that wasn't in my notes, but <laughs> it was good anyway. But what we need to focus on is God's eternal purposes. And so he tells Uh, he tells him what he's going to do. He's going to bring them into this place through this process to where he makes an end of all the rebellion of mankind, brings in an everlasting righteousness, seals up all vision and prophecy and anoints the most holy place for the king of kings to come down here and sit on the throne and rule and reign over the entire earth. God has a plan. (laughs) God has a plan. 
Amen. So what this is really talking about is that here, all the fulfillment of prophecy will be done. It'll all be fulfilled. And a new order and a new age will be brought into being. And listen, we're being prepared. Our life is preparation for this age. Our life is preparation for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. You know, we've been taught religiously this idea of heaven to where it's like a spiritual retirement home in the sky where we lay on clouds and strum lyres and, you know. No, we're being prepared to assist Jesus Christ in the ruling and the reigning and the administration of an eternal kingdom where he's going to rule over all the nations of the earth. So your spiritual life isn't just checking attendance by coming to church, but it's being matured into a a mature son of God who's able to operate in the powers of the age to come so you're able to be plugged into places of authority in the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. Man, we've been taught religiously that our Bible reading, our prayer, and our attendance is just devotion to show God how committed we are. It's not devotional, it's developmental. All of those things are there to cause us to be able to begin to be led by the Spirit as mature believers and able to understand how our Father thinks so we know how we should act so we're able to participate together with Him in what He's doing in the earth. Mm. So it's preparation. You know, it's not so that we can, you know, prove something to God. We've got to get that. We've got to change the way that we look at these things. Because if it's just an obligation that you have to meet, then you're not going to see the value in it. You know, and we're not really that good at meeting obligations. (laughs) but you know what you think is important you spend time doing that okay so let's go to the next verse know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. So now we're coming into this. Um, we're coming into this prophecy, and he's beginning to deal with time periods. And uh, that's I need to slow down because <laughs> I'm getting too excited. So these time periods that he's talking about is what he says here. This is my hub of prophecy. So what he tells us here is there shall be a. See, here's the thing. The 490 years isn't just 490 straight years. This is broken up into three parts. Okay, and so it's super uh, important that we understand this. The f- and when he refers to weeks, he's not talking about seven-day weeks. The word Shabuah, which is the Hebrew word that is translated weeks here, just means a segment of seven. A segment of seven. So when you study this, what you actually find out is he's talking about seven, seven seven-year periods. Seven, seven seven-year periods. For the first seven uh, weeks that he talks about here is comprised of from the moment 
that the king gave the order for Israel to return back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and the temple will be seven weeks. Well, if we take that literally, that's 49 days. <laughs> they can't even get a road finished in Tulsa in 49 days. In fact, it seems like they're working on those all the time. So it's talking about 49 years. And he says it's going to be from the time the uh, command is issued until Messiah comes. Would be seven, would be 49 years, and then 62 more weeks, 434 years. So if you want to study this out yourself, you can go to Nehemiah 2, where Artaxerxes gave the command for him to go and... uh, rebuild the temple. That was in 445 BC. And from the time Jesus showed up on the scene, it was 49 plus 434 is 483 years, exactly. 32 AD. 445 BC to 32 AD, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and they all cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is exactly the amount of time that Gabriel told him it would be till he shows up on the scene. And Jesus goes to the cross, and when he goes to the cross, everything changed. Everything changed. This dispensation that they were under when God was dealing with Israel, which is all Jewish time, it has nothing to do with the Gentiles, has nothing to do with the church. It ended. It was as if God had a clock. And when this began, he took his stopwatch, he hit it, and when uh, 483 years clicked off and Jesus said it is finished, he clicked that stopwatch off and he set it aside. And on the day of Pentecost, he grabbed another stopwatch and he starts it. And that's when Gentile time began. That's when the age of the church, that's when the age of grace began. And we've been in that time for almost 2,000 years. We've been living in the age of grace. And listen, we're so accustomed to living in this time. We're blinded to how amazing of a time we're living. We're living in the very best time there has ever been on the earth. Earth, from the time God created Adam and Eve and they left the garden to this time, we're living in the best time. Our outlook should be so superior to every civilization that has ever lived before us. My goodness, we're living in the time where we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. We're justified. We've been made the righteousness of God. We've been made new creations. We've been sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're living in the very best time and we're sleeping through it because we don't realize where we're at. We don't realize what's going on. We don't realize who we are and we don't realize what we have available to us in this time that we're living in. And we're playing around, playing church. We're playing around with things that are holy and eternal because we don't realize. (sighs) We've been lied to. We've been duped by the devil into just going through this religious life of ritual. And we don't actually see really what this is all about. And we've been living in it for almost 2,000 years. And what we need to realize is that We are slowly, well, I would say we are getting very close to the next major event, which is the rapture of the church. When you realize these 
Seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's 69 prophetic weeks, which means there's only one seven-year period left in this prophetic vision that Gabriel gave to Daniel. One. What we need to realize is when the rapture happens and God takes the church out of the earth, that's going to signify that the church age stopwatch gets clicked off and God throws it away because he's not ever going to need it again. And then he's going to pick up Jewish time again and he's going to click that clock. And when he does, there's seven more years until Jesus returns to the earth. One more seven-year period, and the rapture could happen anytime. As, as pastor's been teaching us, uh, we're not watching for anything. We're waiting. Yeah, you guys got it. You've been listening. Because there are no more prophetic words that have to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back. The Jews are watching. Because there's another seven years of prophecy left to be fulfilled for them. But we're not, wa- we're not watching. We're just waiting. We need to allow the reality of that waiting to cause us to live our life in expectation. And instead of being, you know, here's what I see happening. All the stuff that's going on in the world. You know, Jesus said, when you see all these things take place, look up. For your redemption draws nigh. But what I see is the church is getting shaken by everything that's going on in the world. Because we don't understand that God's already got it all figured out. He's got it all planned out and it's going to work just the way that he planned it. And when you look at the precision of the fulfillment of the prophecy, it just it encourages me to know that, hey, this is all going to work out just exactly the way that God intended. So the church age is just an opportunity for us. You're being presented an opportunity. This time that we are living here on earth, because of the dispensation that we live in, is an opportunity for us to accomplish things that are going to last all through eternity. You know, but we're playing around with stuff that ain't going to last after tomorrow. And passing up on opportunity to accomplish things that are going to last forever. That are going to last for eternity. And so um, after that 62 weeks, that long period, I wanted you to see this. It says, after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, which is exactly what Isaiah 53, 8 says, which we know is the great redemptive chapter of the suffering Messiah, is it says that he would be cut off. Let me see if I can find that. I think I have it here. Anyway, Isaiah 53, 8 tells us that he would be cut off. Here it is. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. So it's talking about that at the end of this time, he would be cut off, which would be a signal to the Jews. 
And then in A.D. 70, their temple was destroyed. Here's the thing. They wouldn't come out of their legalism. They wouldn't come out of their old covenant observances of sacrifices and everything. So God allowed the Romans to come in and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple, and eventually destroy them as a nation. It's like, if you're not going to stop, because legalism is the greatest hindrance to the gospel. The hindrance to the gospel isn't unbelievers, it's religious people. (laughs) It's religious people who stand in the way of the gospel, who stand in the way of God trying to reach people with the good news. And so the rapture is the next thing that's going to happen. And we can't be here for that because the tribulation period is the wrath of God. Here's what you got to understand. You know, pastor's been talking about, because there is a segment of, of Christians who believe that the church is going into the tribulation. And they take it like a prideful thing. Well, I'm going to show God how committed I am to him by going through the tribulation. When you can't even deal with what the devil's doing to you now. Listen, listen, you can't even handle what people do to you, much less what the devil's doing to you. And you think you're going to. Uh, stand against the Antichrist because in the tribulation, the Bible says God gives him authority over the saints. Right now he's defeated. (laughs) Right now he's defeated and just his lies and deceptions are kicking your tail and you can't even handle that right now. What makes you think you're going to be able to stand against the Antichrist when God turns over authority to him over the saints? No, the, ra- the rapture is the blessed hope that we have that we're going out of here <laughs> and that we're not going to experience the wrath of God because the tribulation is the wrath of God. If you think what the devil's doing to you is bad, wait till God starts pouring out his wrath on this earth. Listen, I don't want none, no part of it. <laughs> We should allow the blessed hope to cause us to be so filled with rejoicing that we have a level of joy in our life that unbelievers see and go, what in the world do you have to be so happy about? What a segue into the gospel. (laughs) What What a segue into the gospel. So let's turn to um, Romans chapter 2. Let me show you this. So here's the thing that I want you to see is the tribulation goes back to Jewish time. So things are going to begin to operate back the way they were here when this prophecy part was fulfilled. In fact, if you read on in the prophecy in uh, Daniel 9 there, it says that they will make a a covenant with this person, which is talking about the Antichrist. And what he's going to do is he's going to allow Israel to rebuild their temple, and they're going to start offering sacrifices again. They're going right back to 
the way that they were dealing with God under the old covenant. My goodness, haven't learned your lesson. And the crazy thing is, is if you study this stuff, current day, you know, news and stuff like that, you find out that they have already built all the stuff that they need. They even have the priestly garments. They have all that stuff ready. All they're waiting for is the land. So that should tell you where we are, where we are prophetically because all that needs to happen is the church be taken out so the man of lawlessness can be revealed. He can make the treaty and give them their land and they build the temple and they start doing their, their sacrifices. So what it says in there is halfway through, he betrays them breaks the covenant, ends their sacrifices, goes and sets himself up in the temple and declares himself to be God and commands everybody to worship him. And that's when a lot of Jews go, uh-oh. <laughs> we done messed up. We done messed up. But here's what I want you to see about, about um, the rapture is we have to be taken out of here. It's not even possible for us to be participating in the wrath of God, according to Scripture. So, um, let's look at Romans 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 2. It says, We know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things, doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Man, I tell you what, when I look at these 490 years, my goodness, you talk about long-suffering. There are generations that got by with not experiencing the judgment of God for things that they were a part of. God is long-suffering and the pronouncement of the gospel is, is making known God's goodness so that it causes people to change the way they see God. So that's the reason people reject God is they don't have an accurate view of him. They don't see him. We've had a God presented to us through theology that's not accurate. You want to have good theology? Let me give you a simple way to have good theology, which is just the understanding of God. Jesus is perfect theology. Didn't he say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? He didn't say, if you've heard Moses, if you've seen Job. <laughs> See what I'm saying? A lot of people's theology is based on Job, it's based on Moses. It's based on a lot of things. But when Jesus stood in the flesh, he perfectly demonstrated who God was. And the reason that people reject God is because they don't see him accurately. This scripture here tells us that what leads a man to repent and change his mind about God and about the gospel is the goodness of God. It's not even the judgment of God. It's the goodness of God. Judgment is a reality. But we need to be declaring the goodness of God so it changes the way that people see the Father. And when it changes the way they see the Father, it changes their uh, 
belief that they could actually interact with him. Okay, so then it says, but in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath. In the day of wrath, you need to understand this, and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So Paul is saying that when people don't obey the gospel, which means to believe it, obedience to the gospel is to believe it and confess Jesus as Lord. That is obedience to the gospel. But he said, people who are rejecting the message are storing up wrath for themselves for two things, the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. These are two events that are coming. One, the day of wrath is the seven-year tribulation period. And then the revelation of the righteous judgment of God is the final judgment, the great white throne judgment. God's wrath is going to be um, released in those two events. And here's the thing. Every person is deserving of experiencing those. Every person is deserving of and destined for the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Unless, <laughs> unless <laughs> they believe the gospel and they put their trust in the finished and perfect work of the Savior, Jesus Christ. When they do that, they are justified in the sight of God, made righteous, and those two days are taken off the calendar for the believer, and they're given something different. They're given the hope of glory. They're given the expectation of being glorified together with Jesus Christ eternally. Mm. see this is a day of God's wrath it's a day of God's wrath the only way you're going to get out of it is not by trusting in how good you can be from now till then <laughs> in fact you're already you've already blown it <laughs> we studied this in the book of Romans whenever I did Romans on Wednesday night and we we talked about the fact that if you sin one time from the day you were born to the day you die, you're guilty. So if you're gonna, you, you might as well just throw your performance out of the equation. Why? Because Paul sums it up in chapter 3. He says, all have sinned and fall short. What that tells me, every person deserves and is destined for those two days unless they believe. But hallelujah, when you believe, instantly those two days that were in your future are taken off of your calendar and there's another wonderful, glorious day that's put in your, on your calendar, which is the blessed hope, which is the rapture of the church because there's coming a time before he pours out his wrath, he's gonna call his body to heaven. <laughs> It's like Pastor was telling us, you know, whenever you declare war, the first people you take out are the ambassadors. That's what we are. We are the ambassadors for Christ. And the seven-year tribulation period is God declaring his last seven years of war and pouring out his wrath on this planet. But before he does, he's calling his ambassadors out. 
Look at Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the word justified means? To be justified means to be legally declared innocent. <laughs> it means justification is God's legal declaration over your life that you are innocent in his sight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 2, through, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is what replaced the wrath of God, the hope of glory. The word hope in the Bible in the New Testament isn't hoping like I hope something happens. It actually means confident expectation. So where we were destined for wrath, now we have the confident expectation of the glory of God. It replaced, <laughs> it replaced the wrath of God with the glory of God. Which what's amazing is when the rapture happens, you're going to be glorified. Oh my goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. You know, right now, as a believer... You have the glory of God in your spirit. Jesus said when he was praying to the Father in John 17, he said, the glory you've given me, I have given to them. The very glory of God is on the inside of you. Why, you were made the tabernacle of God. Your spirit is the holy of holies. The holiest place was the place where the glory of God dwelt. It's in you. But one of these days, what's in you is going to emanate out of you. Just like on the day when Jesus took his disciples up on the mountain and he began to be transfigured in front of them, what happened? Light began to emanate from him, spiritual light, eternal light. One of these days when Jesus appears in the sky, boom. What's 1 Corinthians 15 says? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. What's in you will begin to emanate out of you. And this fallen physical body that's been affected by sin and affected by this fallen world will be transfigured in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and take on the same glory that Jesus was walking around in his physical body when he was resurrected from the dead and he was not limited to time and space. Why? They were in the upper room. He just appeared through a wall. <laughs> My goodness, wow. <laughs> We're going to be glorified together with him. We should, we, what we need to do is we need to understand this blessed hope so much that it causes us to rejoice in our expectation of the glory of God. And it causes all the problems that are going on in this world to begin to fade from our perspective. And we begin to see things the way that God sees them rather than the way that the world sees them. Get your head out of Fox News. 
Who cares? Man. I mean, I, I can get caught up in that stuff too. But I decided a while back, just I don't even want to hear their junk anymore. It's, yeah, it is. It's toxic. And it's a distraction. Because it doesn't matter. You know, um, God's got this all under control. You know, is, if, when it comes to presidents and stuff, I vote. I'll vote the way the Holy Spirit shows me that I'm supposed to vote. Beyond that, what can you do about it? <laughs> you know, I mean, really. But you can do some things. God has invested power and authority into your life to be used against spiritual foes, principalities, powers, might, dominion, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places to where you can go and tear down strongholds off of people's lives. You can declare to them the eternal gospel, the good news, and see a person pass from death to life. Man, you can demonstrate the reality of an invisible kingdom by commanding uh, the life of God to cause bodies to be healed. You can help a person receive of the Holy Spirit of God and speak with languages from another world. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, this ought to be fun. <laughs> this ought to be fun. But our perspective is wrong and we just see it as work. Really, it's because we're trying to do to be rather than being to do. The hope of glory, the hope of the glory of God. Let's look down uh, verse 8 and 9. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at verse 9. Much more than, think about that. Think about what he's saying here. God loved us so much that even when we were yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. In fact, this says this is how he demonstrated how much he loved us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But much more than having now been justified. So listen, things go up after you've gotten saved. <laughs> God's much more love is now revealed. Having been justified by his blood... We shall be, what's it say? Saved from wrath. Thank you, Lord. There's no way we're going through the tribulation. That's right. The tribulation is the wrath of God. That's right. Based on that scripture right there, it says we shall be saved from wrath through him. You want another one? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you're also doing. God has not destined us for wrath. 
Man, think about that. Think about that. But those who don't know, those who don't know, that's what our focus should be, is to live our life in such a way that people are able to see that we have this hope of glory, that we have an expectation of something beyond what you see in this current situation uh, that the world is in right now, that we have our eyes fixed on something more. Why? Because we know that here soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. <laughs> well, that was an oldie. That one just came right out. I hadn't heard that song in a long time, but they used to sing it. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. It's probably sooner than you think. Sooner than you think. See, God's going to take us out of here. He's going to take us out of here before he begins to pour his wrath out. You know what we're going to do up there? We're going to stand before Jesus. We're going to stand before Jesus. And all of our works that we've done as a believer going to be tested by the fire of God to see what kind they were. You're not going to be judged for your sins. You're going to be judged for what you did in the body for, for rewards. The Bama seat of Christ is a reward seat. This is the, this is the motivation because you're going to, some of the things that you've done, that you've done with wrong motives, you're going to have wood, hay, and stubble. But then some of the things that you've done with the right motive, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to come out gold and silver and precious stones. And that will be used to, to give glory to God who was able to do that. Because listen, we're not the ones doing it. What's going to last is what he did through you. It's the things that we allow him to do through us with the right heart by the power of the Holy Spirit that are going to have eternal value. Think about that. What comes out gold, silver, precious stones, we're going to receive crowns. We're going to receive garments that are going to show forth the glory of what God was able to do for our life. And we're going to throw those crowns at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want to have something to throw at his feet. <laughs> I want to have something to throw at his feet. But the blessed hope is him taking us out of here and glorifying us together with him. But right now, we live in the best time that has ever been on this planet. <laughs> and we are being prepared for a weight of glory that we have no, we have no earthly idea. We, we're not even scratching the surface, guys, on understanding what is ahead. Think about this. Paul said, do you not realize that you're going to judge angels? That's what you're being prepared for. The sons of God are a replacement for the sons of God. <laughs> Do 
If you've been around here long, you should understand what I'm saying. In the Old Testament, the sons of God were the angels. And there was a fallen order of angels who rebelled against God and fell from their place of authority. They'd been given authority and power to administrate the kingdom of God in the second heaven. Over the earth, having authority, they fell from their place. And God is raising up another order of sons who are going to judge them and take their place and helping him bring restoration and order to this planet. No wonder it says in Romans chapter 8 that the whole earth is groaning in travail, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Are there any sons of God in the house tonight? Well, let's give God glory. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. Oh, we thank you, Father, that you have redeemed us. Hallelujah, that you are taking us out, that you are preparing us, Father God, for a weight of glory that we can't even imagine to bring about a restoration of your creation. (laughs) Father God, and you're giving us the opportunity to participate in the plan of the ages. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God. Oh, break our hearts for people who haven't heard and haven't understood and have not believed the glorious gospel. Father God, help us to be motivated by your love. Be motivated by this joy that we have in knowing that our future is secure in you, Father God. Help us awaken to who we are. So we put ourselves aside and we allow you to do what you're going to do through your church, Father God. Oh, that we realize that we just need to make ourselves available to you, Father God. Not just here, but everywhere we go, Father God. Help us awaken to the fact that we are walking around with the answer that every person we pass by is needing. Help us to grow up. Help us to grow up and mature, Father God, so that we can be led by the Spirit in our everyday life, just like Jesus was. He didn't do anything he hadn't already seen you do. He didn't say anything but what you told him to say. Help us move into that place, Father God. Help us to just be a church that's constantly rejoicing in the blessed hope, Father God. We just thank you for it. Hallelujah. Would you stand? Let's just begin to praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father God. We thank you. We are so honored that you called us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, that you called us, Father God. I wouldn't have picked me. Oh, we thank you, Father God. We give you glory. We give you praise, Father God. Help us to take off the shackles of religion and the lies of the enemy so that we can embrace, Father God, everything that you're desiring to do through our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Help us to embrace the finished work. Oh, help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, Father God. Oh, help us to see that we are fully equipped and able, Father God, to do what you've called us to do. We thank you for it, Father. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Oh, I thank you for this body of Christ. This is 
Christ in the earth. You are Christ in the earth. You are his body. You are his body, members in particular. And we're being called together to produce glory. The glory of the kingdom of heaven even here on this earth. Oh, we thank you for it, Father God. We give you praise. We rejoice in the blessed hope, Father God. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that's it, that it's sure. We thank you for the sovereign act of the rapture, Father God, that you're going to call us away. But help us to remember that that is an imminent event that is closer than we can even imagine. Help us to be motivated by that, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm going to just close here, but I just wanted to remind the guys here tonight that Fight Club kicks off tomorrow night, and uh, we're going to be opening the gates at 5.30. We're going to be serving food at 6, and then we're going to have worship and the message at 7.30 out under the stars. We've got a brand new stage all set up and everything. We're going to be doing man stuff, throwing axes, throwing knives, shooting bows, all kinds of cool stuff. But what I wanted to say, I wanted to take a minute and just tell you that this isn't just, we don't do this just to have another something to do. Now, I'm just going to share my heart with you guys about this. Fight Club is an appointed time once a year for the men that worship God together here at Lake Church to come together for purpose. That's why we call it not just conference, but conference and convergence. It's a time for the men of God that worship here to come together for purpose. Fight Club is about us coming together to encourage each other and equip each other to fight for our faith, for our family, for our church family. It's serious. I mean, we have a great time. But I just wanted to bring a level of weight to this to where it's not, oh, I don't need to go to that. I mean, it's just uh, they're just going to go have some fun and eat some hamburgers or something. No, that's not what it's about. It's spiritual. And it's a time for us to come together and to, you know, encourage each other, equip each other uh, for the days that are ahead. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up, be sure and sign up. Ladies, if your husband hasn't signed up, sign him up. <laughs> you know he'll do what you tell him to do. So <laughs> anyway, just wanted to tell you that, remind you of that. It's going to be an awesome time. Um, and so I don't, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to hear all the stories afterward and go, man, I should have been there. I mean, uh, whatever's on TV Thursday and Friday night, you, you can watch that another time anyway. So. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Good work. Woo. Love you.